Hello, hello, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast Season 4, Episode 2. This is your host, Mitch. Not Mediocre Mitch anymore. I've resolved to share the real Mitch, who definitely has some mediocre moments, um, but has a few things to share. And in Season 4, I'll be sharing, as you heard in Episode 1, some thoughts on things I wish I knew when I started my career. And hopefully some of those learnings will be learnings that are useful to you. So this episode two is about finding a job. And finding a job can mean a lot of things. It can mean finding a job immediately out of high school or college. It could mean finding a job when your current job is not working for you. It could mean finding a job when you've just gotten fired. It could mean finding a new job in your current um, employment, just a different function or a different responsibility. Um, I'm going to try to cover many of those instances, and I'm going to try to do it in this episode through some stories and experiences of things that happened to me in real life, things that I experienced when looking for jobs. Now, if I include every job I had in my life, dating back to probably middle school, I've had a lot of jobs. I've probably had a solid eight, maybe 10 different jobs, but from the day I graduated from college, undergraduate school, till today, I think I had, let me look at my list here, one, two, three, four, call it four different jobs. Um, I... And, 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 you know, when I see jobs, they, they, some of them are with the same company, but in different roles. I actually left my company, came back. But four stories. How about that? Four stories I can tell you that of things that happened to me that are potentially relatable and learnable um, lessons for you um, as it relates to job searches. As I promised you, I am keeping my information to one index card. I, once again, have managed to keep it to around 10 words. And so I'll use this index card as my reference point for telling stories. So why don't I start by telling you, um, well... What I want to start is by, by referencing a video I did. So you'll find my videos, my vlogs on YouTube. In fact, you might be watching this on YouTube. And I did a vlog that talked about being in control of your career. And I said, look, you are always in charge of your career, not your employer, not your boss, you. And I use the term stay and be happy or leave and be happy, which I did not coin that phrase. I had a colleague many years ago who said it to me, and I still use it to this day. But 
even if you are miserable in your job and even if you need that job or you need a job to pay the rent and your bills, which most of us do, you don't have to stay in a bad job. Um, you can make your current job better or you can leave and find another job either in your organization and if that's not available, then elsewhere. Now, so, so stay and be happy, leave and be happy denotes the fact that you're going to be looking for jobs from time to time. And my <laughs> most famous in my life job search was when I graduated from um, my undergraduate school, George Washington University, with an English literature degree. And everyone in my family, all of my friends, and yours truly, had no clue what I was going to do with an English literature degree. I'll tell you this, I'm pretty well read. I've read a lot of books. I'm a pretty decent writer. I, I don't mind uh, picking up a pen or these days, you know, going to a keyboard and writing my own memos or writing detailed letters or stories. Like, that's not a problem for me. But what I was going to do for a job with an English literature degree, I had no clue. And I started my job search by going to career services at college. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to, be, I want to work with people. Um, I want to be a manager. And they're like, well, great. Well, coming out of college, you don't usually become a manager, but a lot of companies have what we call management training programs. Maybe you should apply for those. So back in, in that day, uh, you didn't have job sites like Monster or Indeed, uh, you or, or or anything you had the newspaper, um, and you had reference books. And so what I went and did is I looked up, I think every company in the Fortune 500 that I'd heard of. So when I say I'd heard of them, means they were probably mostly consumer products companies, but some automotive and some oil and gas and sent letter after letter after letter with my resume that said, I'm a well-rounded person, I'm interested in your management training program, um, please grant me an interview. Not quite like that, but something like that. And what I got, no joke, if I sent out 100 letters, which is probably about what I sent out, I got about 30 to 40 of them I never heard from. And the remainder of them sent me this pretty much the same letter, which said, thank you for your resume. Unfortunately, we do not have a spot for you in our management training program, um, but we will keep your resume on file for future reference. By the way, if they kept them on file, I think they meant a the little round file under their desks, the garbage can, because I never heard from any of them again. But what I did do is I kept that file of rejection letters for many, many years as a reminder to myself of where I started. And I remember I, I got a big promotion at work, and I remember looking back at that file and saying, gee, who would have thought that someone who could get a file full of 60, 70 rejection letters could actually you know, advance in their career like I have? So the thing you need to do, so lesson number one about my first job search is A, cast a wide net. B, grow some calluses when it comes to rejection. You're going to get a lot of rejection. Uh, and, and I think C is uh, perseverance. Like, don't give up. You know, maybe a management training program from a random letter wasn't for me.
maybe that wasn't in the cards, but there was something to learn from that. And that, that's kind of lesson number one. The group of lessons I learned from, from my first career foray into job search. Well, I soon was able to land a job at a large professional services firm doing taxes, and I loved it. Loved, loved, loved it. Loved my colleagues, loved the work, loved my clients, loved the things I was learning, the challenge of it. Great stuff. But as it, have, as it happens, life got in the way. I was married. I had a young child at home. I had a second child on the way. I was a first-year manager. So that means I was probably working for, yes, I was working for about five years, a little over five years, and I needed more money because life was becoming expensive. And uh, while I was doing those first five and a half years at my employer, who I am actually work at today, but I ended up leaving because I needed more money. And so what I did during the first five and a half years of my job is I got a lot of calls from headhunters, a lot of executive recruiters saying, you know, are you interested in leaving your job? And I never took those calls. Well, sorry, I took the calls. I had conversations, but I never took an interview. I never was interested in leaving. But now I realized that I needed to leave. Um, well, I didn't need to leave. What I needed was more money. So I either needed more money for my current employer or I needed to find it elsewhere. Um, my household expenses, a new baby, another one on the way, made life more expensive than my salary was able to cover. So I called this headhunter. I don't remember his name, but I do remember him. And I remember how he used to call me every kind of like three, four months saying, are you happy? Do you want to leave? Do you want an interview? I called him and I said, I'm ready to interview. Here's where I'd like to interview. Here's the salary I'd like. Here's the title I would like. Here's the sign-on bonus I would like to get. Can you kind of get me that? And sure enough, he got me interviews at one, two, three different, three different firms I took the interviews, I got two out of three offers, and interestingly enough, I, the firm that I preferred of the two offered me less money. Actually, sorry, yes, they offered me less money. So I wanted to work there. It was definitely a raise over my current job, not as much as, not the highest offer I'd received, and, and actually... I didn't even really want to leave, but I needed the money. So I went to my current employer and I said, um, I got a job offer and this is how much money it's worth and this is how much of a sign-on bonus it's worth. I'd really prefer staying. Can you give me something similar in terms of a compensation package? And my employer said, Mitchell... We really love you. We think you do a great job, but we're not changing our compensation model just for you. And we'd love you to stay, but if you don't want to stay, leave. Leave, stay and be happy, leave and be happy. Although they didn't use those words at the time. And I knew I had played my card. I had to leave. So I went to the, the, the company that I preferred working at, but had offered me less money. And I said, 
I'd really like to work here, but this your competitor has offered me more money. Can you match that? They did. And I, I left. I went to this other company for a pay raise, and, and there was a learning. There's a learning there. The learning is a, you know, this recruiter was calling me all the time, wanted me to leave on his terms. I used him to help me leave on my terms. Secondly, I, I cast a little bit of a wide net. I got a couple of offers. I was able to play one against the other. Not, my, not to get my first first choice, which was to stay, because my current employer would not match the compensation, and comp was what was driving me, at that time at least. doesn't always have to drive you, by the way. Um, and I was able to use the two offers I got to actually leverage um, the, the higher offer to the more preferable job. So a lot of learnings there as well. Now, <laughs> the next thing I learned is the employer I went to, I didn't really like it that much. I was there for, for only a matter of weeks. I don't even think it was months. And I was like, geez, this is a very good firm. There are some high quality people here. It's just not my, my cup of tea. It wasn't my vibe. And it's interesting. It's kind of like, you know, this happens a lot to kids in college. Sometimes they'll look for a school because of its name or because of its reputation or because maybe it's got a great sports football team or a basketball team and they like the, con the, uh, the idea of being a fan of that school. What they don't look at is the vibe and do they fit in and the culture and is it a culture that, that they can relate to and I didn't do that. I didn't do that when I was searching for the job and I was literally at this new job. I was now paying the bills now um, my, my second child was born. I had uh, enough money to make a living, but I wasn't happy, which goes to show you that money isn't everything because if you have to go to work every day and the vibe, the culture, the people, they're not bad. They're just not you. That's tough because you have to go to work every day and you have to basically live with these people at work every day. And I didn't dislike them. It just wasn't a good vibe for me. I stuck it out for three years. In fact, during those three years, I uh, interviewed at other jobs. They didn't work out for one reason or another. And one day, I had learning number three. Three years into my new job, I had lunch with my old boss, and I. this is the same boss who said, we're not changing our compensation model for you. We love you, but if you can stay, we understand. I had lunch with that partner, one of my favorite um, partners I ever worked with, and she said, um, are you happy? And I said, actually not. I said, I'm actually happy with the pay. I'm just not happy with the job, the environment. Just not for me. And she said, want to come back? And this is where learning number, learnings, more learnings from this third experience come in. So I did go back. And I actually did not go back for a pay cut. I got, I didn't get a pay raise, but I, I was, I had gotten a raise three years ago. I got steady raises thereafter. And I went back on even footing. But the lessons are, are even more, more 
poignant to me because, A, I didn't burn bridges. She said, come back. You didn't burn any bridges. You left like a gentleman. You said it was about money. You said you liked the people. You said you liked our culture. You said you liked our organization. You didn't burn any bridges. You didn't say that you didn't like any people. You didn't say you didn't like the work. Secondly, um, I kept in touch. So not only did I not burn bridges, I kept in touch. We had lunch. We kept in touch. She asked me how I was doing. She cared. And, and that meant a lot for me. And so keep it, you know, every contact you make, don't burn bridges. Keep those contacts. You never know when they're going to pay you off. Um, I ended up not getting hurt financially. And frankly, I also learned a, a quality lesson. I learned, a, a, that money isn't everything. And that's true in life, not just jobs. But I also learned that um, not only is, is money not everything, but um, the experience, being able to go to work every day with people that, that you like, really has an impact on your overall wellness and your overall prognosis for success. Because frankly, if you're in a good environment, you're much more like, and you feel good about yourself and where you stand, you're much more likely to be successful. So um, that was my second, or that was the third story that I had with some learnings for you. I'm hoping that some of these stories actually resonate and hopefully some of these stories are actually things that tell you um, lessons that are applicable to your career. Uh, I, I did have one other story I wanted to tell and... This one was a, a bit of a gutsy move on my part, but um, I did it, and it was really about creating leverage. Make yourself be in demand, and this is how I did it. I was up for a very big promotion. I'd, I went back. I loved my job. I was happy. The pay was great. Um, more importantly, the people and the work and the experiences were great, and I was up for a big promotion, and it wasn't clear whether or not I was going to get that promotion, and the time was right. In other words, I had done some really good things at work that I felt like my, my resume was ready for the big promotion. But circumstances beyond my control might, were looking like they might stand in the way of a promotion. And what I ended up doing was, remember that, that recruiter who got me the job um, earlier? I called that same recruiter and I said, I'm up for a big promotion. I'm not sure I'm going to get it. I think I'd like to consider whether some of our competitors might hire me into that promoted role. And so, and I said, by the way, there's one competitor I can't go back to because I already worked there. Truth is, I didn't want to leave. And truth is, I don't think there were any circumstances in which I wanted to leave. But what I did know is that the competition for this promotion was fierce and I wanted to get an edge. I wanted to get some leverage. And then frankly, I probably wanted to build up some self-confidence. Um, so there was probably that angle as well. So I ended up getting a, an interview at a competitor, one that I had never interviewed with, one that I had never worked with, and I was having lunch with a senior person there. In fact, I remember it vividly because it was the top of the World Trade Center back when the World Trade Center stood tall. So this was in the uh, late 1990s. And 
we were having lunch and it was unbelievable up there. And this person said to me, we will consider bringing you in at that promoted level. We, I just need to get a, a, a committee of senior people to meet with you and can agree with my assessment that we can bring you in at that senior level. So I went back to work that afternoon and I called my boss and I said, I have a dilemma. I'm up for promotion and you know that and I know that. And um, we also know that nothing's guaranteed and it's not a sure thing, but one of our competitors called me now, that was a little white lie there because I called them or recruit. Actually, it wasn't really a lie because I called the recruiter. The recruiter called them. They called me. So I guess actually they did call me. I just initiated it. And I said, um, one of our competitors called me and they're considering offering me a promoted role similar to the one that I'm up for. And this, my boss said to me, um, let me make some phone calls. And he called me back after, uh, actually it was the next morning, and he said, hey, Mitch, um, where would you rather be promoted, here or there? And I said, here. I want to stay here. And my boss said to me, then don't go on that interview. And I said, does that mean I'm getting promoted? And he said, um, I can't make any promises because we, we're not at, promotion time of year yet but I wouldn't be telling you not to go on that promotion if I didn't have a lot of confidence that you shouldn't go on that promotion so not a direct answer but it was good enough for me I did stay I did get promoted and and there was a lesson there have some confidence and create some leverage for yourself but remember you need to know what you're going to do based upon what happens if you get an offer, are you going to leave? If you don't get the promotion, are you going to quit? You know, you're ultimately your your decision tree is going to narrow to a point, and you need to decide what am I going to do. I knew I was going to stay. I really wanted to stay. In fact, I would have stayed even if I didn't get promoted. But I used this experience. I wasn't a jerk. I just wanted to get a little more leverage, a little more of an edge to get that promotion. I did get that promotion. But even if I didn't get that promotion, I would have stayed because I didn't want to be a jerk about it. I didn't want to say, you know, this or else. I just said, I've got this opportunity and I'm not sure what I should do and I need your advice. And he gave me the advice, which I took, and it worked out. Things don't always work out. Everything I told you, all the stories I just told you, they kind of worked out because they're just steps in a journey. They're just steps along a very long marathon. Everything has a next step. Every rejection has a next step. Every, every success has a next step. So if you could take your, learn, if you could take your experiences and, and no matter what happens, make lemonade out of them, then you'll have a long, successful career. And you could tell stories like the ones I've told, and it sounds like, well, Mitch, everything worked out exactly the way you'd wanted it to. Well, actually, it didn't. I didn't want to get 60 rejection letters out of college. I didn't want to leave my first job. I didn't want to go to a job that I ended up not having the right vibe. 
But I kept going forward. I kept moving ahead. I kept working hard. I kept trying to make friends. I kept not burning bridges. And I I knew there was always a next move to make. And so that, to me, is the overall learning when it comes to searching for jobs, is there's always a next step. Even a rejection um, means there's another, another try, and acceptance means that it's probably temporary. The honeymoon period is short. The need to, to succeed and, and to do a good job is pretty immediate. And, you know, the, there's a next move after that, whether it's a promotion or another job or what have you. A couple things I would also add to the list of learnings that I just threw out at you as we get to the end of this episode. First of all, I'm looking at my notes here. It's always good to cast a wide net because you may never know where the best opportunity will come from. Um, secondly, it's always good to have irons in the fire when you're not looking. Always have those contacts. Keep in touch with people. Keep in touch with friends and competitors. Keep in touch with people in in fields that you're interested in because you never know where they're going to help you find a job. Third, some when you're unemployed, looking for a job can be a full-time job and you should treat it as such. People who lob resumes out and say, oh, I didn't get a job. Like there's always something you can do. Make it a full-time job. Network. Talk to people you know. That's your best avenue for getting a job. Reach out to people you know. The worst thing they're going to say is, I've got nothing for you, or I'm not interested, or I think you should do something different. Okay, that's a, uh, those are kind forms of rejection, and that's okay. You learn from them, and you keep going forward. So make it a full-time job. Grow those calluses. Be used to getting rejected. All they are is is points along a journey and things that you can learn from. One other thing that I haven't mentioned that, <coughs> excuse me, I definitely want to mention because um, it's something that is going to come up again and again in this season four of the Meet Mediocrity podcast, and it has to do with doing your homework. When you're going on interviews, Learn everything you can about the company you're interviewing for. What have they done well? What are their products? What are they known for? Do they have some failures, big lawsuits, um, reputational things that you you know, uh, reviews you could read? Do your homework. Understand the company. Have they had acquisitions? Have they had divestitures? Why? What's their strategy? You don't need to cite it all in an interview. You don't need to say, I've read your website, I've read your annual report, but you need to have that vibe in you so you understand the organization that you're interviewing for a job at. Secondly, if you know who you're meeting with, if you know who's interviewing you, know those people. Know them very, very well. At a bare minimum, you need to Google them. At a bare minimum, you need to read their LinkedIn profile. You, you know, when I say Google them, don't just read about their work. Did they run a 5K? Because if you Google their name, you'll see whether they ran a 5K. Um, are they on boards? Are they volunteering somewhere? Do they coach a little league team? What can you find on their social media? Do they have a public social media page that you can stalk? and see who their kids are. 
whether they have kids. I guess you don't need to find out who their kids are, but you need to find out whether they have children. You need to find out whether they have pets. Where do they like to go on vacation? What do they like to do? Again, you don't have to cite it all in an interview, but you need to know who you're sitting across the table from because when they say to you, what do you like to do outside of work? And you have a connection. That can mean everything. I was talking to someone the other day who told me that he got his first job because uh, he's a scratch golfer. And the person who was interviewing him was a mediocre golfer. And he gave the interviewer a putting lesson during the interview. I mean, it came, it, the conversation went to golf. He said he's a scratch golfer. He, the, the person who was interviewing him says, I stink at putting. He gave him a putting lesson because they had a connection. And so look for those connections, both um, by Googling a person, by looking at them on, on LinkedIn, and by checking them out on social media. They won't be offended. They'll be honored. You've, you've looked and you've done your research about them because you want to get to know them so that you can determine whether or not you're a good match for them, both personally and professionally. So stalk your interviewees, practice. That's the other thing. Practice your interviews. Mock interviews are a great idea. Find a friend, find a colleague. If you have a coach, I do a lot of coaching. Ask them to do a mock interview with you. Practice, practice. You're not going to necessarily, the practice is not going to go the way the actual interview does. But let's face it. If you're training for a 5K, or you're practicing on the driving range for golf, you're not necessarily going to play your game or run your race exactly how you practice. There are circumstances that will change. It'll be a windy day on the golf course. You'll have a bad night's sleep before your run. But the practice will get you prepared for those eventualities. So practice your interviewing skills before every interview. You can't practice enough. Um, and know what you want. Know what you want your end result to be. Um, you have to sell yourself first. You have to have them want you. But when they make you an offer, know what you're going to do with that offer. Are you going to accept it? Is it the right amount of compensation? Does it have the right amount of vacation days? Does it have the right benefits? Um, are you going to say yes or no based upon what offer you get? I always see people not really knowing what they want. They stutter when the, when, the employ, when the potential employer says, what kind of compensation are you looking for? They have no answer. Have an answer, even if it's a range. Um, and know what you're going to do when they offer you the job. Know what you're going to say when they offer you a job at a level that you may not have expected. Are you going to stay? Are you, are you going to take the job? Are you not going to take the job? Are you going to negotiate? Yeah, you should have at least, if not a definitive idea of every eventuality, you should have a good idea of most eventualities so you're not caught blindsided when the interview ends and an offer or not offer gets put to you. So anyway, here's the bottom line. If, oh, sorry. I think I said one more thing at least three times now. So here's the last thing. After every interview, remember to follow up. Send a thank you note. 
Um, follow up if you haven't heard in a couple of weeks. If they say it's going slow, wait a few more weeks, but follow up. Be prepared for rejection. You're going to get rejected far more than you're going to get accepted in life. That's just the way it works. Learn from every experience. Collect experiences and learn from them. And repeat. That's the way it works. Anyway, a lot of stories about how to get a job. A lot of personal stories about things I've done. They haven't all gone well, but they've all worked out well in the end because I kept persevering and I kept looking ahead. Um, that's, season, that's episode two of the Meet Mediocrity podcast season four. Please, if you've got ideas for this season that's all about career building and career learnings, things you want me to discuss or, or explore, send me a d- direct message on social media. Send me an email through the meetmediocrity.com website. And until next time, continue to be happy, keep smiling, stay well, stay healthy, and take care, everyone. Bye-bye.